Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's happiest podcast network. Hey everyone and welcome to Bookish, the podcast where we talk about what's your story and what does that say about you. My guest today is the very funny Mr. Joel Dusha. How you doing, Joel? Uh, good. Thanks so much for having me, George. And I'd heard the intro before, but I had no idea how like intense it is when someone's like, what's your favorite story and what does it say about you until it was directed directly at me just then? I feel like, look, I have had an extra coffee today, so <laughs> maybe it was a bit more aggressive um, and I definitely didn't need to stand up while I did it. So. <laughs> You're basically shouting. I know, that's actually, okay, I'll try and calm down a bit as we keep going. Um, okay, so in terms of uh, the background on you, Joel, so I have here just podcast personality again, yes. much like Jackson, but do you want to fill in a bit more detail about yourself? Um, yeah, so basically successful podcast personality would be how I describe myself. Sorry, um, sorry, of course, of course. Yeah, it's kind of interesting with my story with podcasting. It's, I mean, Jackson, as you had uh, in a previous episode, very similar to me in the sense that we were just uni students and just pretty much fell into podcasting. Uh, we met our what well, our tutor at the time was Joel Zamet, who is also part of the same network that we're all on. Uh, and he basically just wanted to revive our student radio station at uh, our university. And then he was like, "Ah, oh, there's this new thing called podcasting. We'll just try and do that. See how that goes. Then, like, it doesn't have to be like a live recording. Can edit it and do whatever we want. And then from there, we did that for like a couple of years, just for fun. Basically, we were getting like a small audience, but an audience. And we're like, this is crazy. People are listening to us. And then one day, we logged into iTunes, and one of our podcasts was just plastered across the top of iTunes. And we were like, oh my god. <laughs> uh, and then we were like, oh, I wonder if this has affected our stats that much and we were getting like let's say like a hundred listeners a month and then we clicked on our stats to just look for the last 24 hours which is when we found out that the ad had gone up and it'd been like six thousand downloads in 24 hours and we were just like what the fuck and yeah basically just kind of took off from there yeah it just went crazy after that partied yeah. got the champagne yeah exactly <laughs> you know as podcasters do yeah yeah they live in large i've seen you guys now it is crazy <laughs> in here it's wild but no so what how old were you when you first started that so i would have been it was right at the end of my first year of uni i took a gap year so i would have been either 19 or 20 when we first recorded right and then uh, the, so, so there was a few years of just for fun yeah and then it just yeah while we're at uni especially like we were just kind of doing it as like an extracurricular activity at university we started like a podcasting club so i guess yeah it was pretty much just like our outside of class thing to do on campus it was once we kind of 
all got into our final year that things really took off and then we're like oh wait actually this could be like a job outrageous <laughs> we, we could take this fun thing and wreck it for ourselves <laughs> yeah make it so, ruin the one thing we enjoy yes let's do it yes let's monetize that shit monetize that fun baby yeah uh i know that there's a lot of podcasts that exist where they everyone has like a background in comedy and whatever but no none of us did we were literally just media students and we're like yeah okay cool like it just we, I guess, were kind of lucky. And people seem to still be mistaking comedy for just bad things that people say. So we're really lucky. The moment that people realize that we're not funny, we just say gross things, is the moment that this company comes crashing down. I hope it's not this podcast that brings you guys crashing down. How <laughs> did that reveal? <laughs> All right, well, so you just say filthy things. We'll try and avoid too much of it. Yeah, yeah. Go too dark. So I'm trying to get that build up, though, of that background. Yeah. So even the gap year and stuff, because I don't know if any of this is going to become relevant to... Well, if you want extra information about the gap year stuff, I got offered a... I guess it was kind of like an internship as a teacher's aide. I worked at my high school, straight out of high school, full-time. So I went from year 12 student to like what as a member of the staff it was something that my high school did really they offered it to people that were interested in becoming teachers or working with children in any kind of educational role and yeah I, I was offered that position and I was like you know what I don't really know what I want to study at uni and like teaching has always been something people especially in my later part of high school were like hey maybe that's something you'd be interested in I was like I might as well give it a go earn some money so it was a paid position not paid well but a paid position it, you would have been 18 19 yeah so exactly it's, it's any money is yeah. good money yeah. i didn't have a car at that point i was like this will be great it kept me like it meant that from nine to five monday to friday i was at a place where i couldn't spend money which is the best way to save that is actually true like there's nothing nothing stops you from spending money like work <laughs> Yeah, it's that sweet combination. Yeah, it, yeah. it rules. And like, I could just get like food from the canteen if I didn't bring food from home. Canteen food, cheap. There's a money saving tip. Go to high schools at lunchtime, buy your lunch from there. I thought you were going to say like, you get special teacher privileges. Oh uh, yeah, you food. did. Yeah, sometimes they were just like, hey, like leftover, not like leftover, leftover food, but like after. <laughs> yeah, just go through the bins. <laughs> do you know how, how much it rules? Teachers can just do that. <laughs> even look at you. It's great. No, because like obviously teachers don't have the same schedule as students because you're not teaching necessarily all six periods. So it meant that like after lunchtime and stuff, canteen ladies would often just be like, hey, here's was 10 leftover pizzas from lunchtime that no one bought. So just dump them in like the staff room and stuff. It's good. Okay. That's it. Uh, again, I think this could weirdly tie into your choice of books. Do you want to say what the choice of book is? You want me yeah. to say it? So I've picked one of my favorite books, which is Catcher in the Rye, a classic that a lot of people cannot stand, but I fell in love with the moment that I read it. And that's, uh, yeah. So I'm sure if anyone's listening doesn't know Catcher in the Rye, do you want to give a very like succinct description to it? Well, look, if you want to, it depends how, because I realize that I'm terrible, as this story proves, terrible at succinct things. Great for podcasting, unless you want to podcast under 30 minutes, in which case I'm not your man. Well, we don't have to be that succinct. You know, let's break it down. <laughs> as we go that's the key here so it's the story of holden caulfield who is a 15 year old teenager it just starts with him recounting his last christmas he's been expelled from his school for basically being a bad student he's a bright boy but clearly has a lot of problems and as the book goes on it reveals some of the stuff like he has a brother who's passed away and he clearly is struggling from mental health issues but this book was written before like mental health issues were existed just, well yeah just like described <laughs> as like this boy is struggling with mental health so yeah. the book takes like a really he's weird... He's got the sads. <laughs> yeah. It takes like a really weird journey through it where reading it through... Even like when I was reading it in high school, so I studied this book, which makes it even weirder that I love it. You studied I, it? I studied it. Really? Yeah. And, and I, it's a favorite. I loved it. I, I'm amazed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when I was... It was one of those texts I had to study for year 12, along with the play A Man for All Seasons, which I hate... 
and the poetry of Bruce Dore, who I also hate. So it's amazing that Catcher in the Rye passed all of those tests. That's what amazing because like I had to do uh, Gattaca yeah. when I was like as the movie of choice, and I genuinely think that's a great movie. Yeah. but I have not watched it since. Just I like s- I studied that in high school as well, and I can't take it seriously when I watch it now because like I think I've ever probably only seen it once or twice since then. So in the last ten or so years. But yeah, just like, I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Double helix staircase. Subtle, guys. It's all about DNA. Oh, his name's Jerome. Sick one. Subtle. It is the least subtle movie. And I don't know if it's like, I would normally have noticed that or because I had to study it for like six weeks that like, oh yeah, cool. Gattaca spoilers, I guess. But oh, he set himself on fire and now his silver medal is glowing gold. Cool. Good one, Gattaca. That's, I'm going to assume everyone has probably studied it. Because <laughs> when you were in uni, uh, when you were in school, you got to choose to watch that. You're like, yeah, let's just do that. Yeah, movies. That's sick. Yeah, yeah that's the trick. Studying yeah. movies actually sucks. It wrecks them for you. It does make it a bit worse, yeah. yeah. I've actually got... So I, I don't know why I brought it in because I'm not going to be reading any passages it's, from it. It's very cute that you brought in the actual copy that you've got here and it's very worn out as well. Uh, so this is the copy that I had in year 12. Um, really? Yeah. So it's pretty beat up. I've got another copy as well. I don't know when I got that, but yeah, this is the original one. Good. There's... <laughs> I think it looks like I've put like a coffee cup on top of it as well. It's good. It's like textbook worn out novel. Like yeah. it's speed up, spine's broken. There's a coffee cup stain on the front. Good. It's beautiful. I like it. And it's a, yeah, it's very nice of you to bring that in. Yeah. Just to <laughs> touch it as you go, you know, get yeah. some flashbacks. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I was, cause I, I love this book, but I haven't read it in a while. I'd probably say like five years, but I've still read it like a, I've read it multiple times and I remember it pretty well. So I don't know why I was just, I think I was just kind of nervous. So I was like, oh, bring in the book. That'll for some reason make me more confident about talking about it. That, uh, technically that is kind of true. Yeah. Might get flashbacks, sensory <laughs> reminders and stuff. So you were 17 when you read it. I think, so my birthday is towards the start of the year. So I would have been 18 because we studied it in the second half of year 12. Okay. That was, I could have just said, no, I was 18, but there's a bit of extra information for it's, you. You're really sticking to this. Yeah. I'm not succinct <laughs> story that you've <laughs> invented for yourself. Okay. And to go a bit further for people who I'm sure everyone does kind of know the general thing about Catcher in the Rye, but it is about that teenage or adolescent experience a little yeah. bit like the, the the disconnectedness not being sure of yourself as well as obviously the deeper issues like the mental health and that but yeah. that's what made it so universal was that sort of yeah. feeling so. it's really strange because like reading it you can and i totally understand why people hate it because holden caulfield is the least likable man and it puts you in his shoes and it's just like a 15 year old who's just like everyone's phonies they love that word phonies yeah, he loves phonies yeah, he everyone's also, a bunch of phonies everyone makes him feel sad like he's like he would just be like oh, i realized this that it just made me feel sad for them he destroys so many personal relationships in such a short period of time just through no means he rushes into grown-up situations heaps and instantly you like there's a there's a big passage where he has basically calls a sex worker and he like the sex worker comes into the room and she's roughly his age, like 15 or 16. And instantly he's just like, I felt so sad for her. He doesn't want to have sex with her anymore. He just wants to talk. And then it's just like painful. It's a really drawn out passage in the sense. And then like a pimp comes and he's paid her, even though they just talked and he's the pimp's like, no, I want more money. And then he gets beat up. And like, you realize that he keeps putting himself in adult situations. But then during those adult situations, it becomes very apparent that he's still a teenager. Um, it does a thing that a lot of, I guess, popular fiction, weirdly enough, this happens heaps in anime, of like, they cast the teenagers 15 or 16 so that they can kind of put them in both adult and childlike situations. Yeah. It's like that weird sweet spot of like... Well, it's a universal story. It's, yeah. 
but I feel like you're saying it for more nefarious reasons they're doing that. Basically, yeah. It's like it's an age where it's still very much obviously underage, but mm. you can kind of put them in sexual situations and it'd be believable because that's when most people are getting sexually active and things like that. But then also you can have him do stuff like he's the title comes from the fact that he misheard a story and he f- has a dream about fantasizing, basically saving children, like saving children's innocence from exposure to the outside world so you've got like this childlike wonder in a boy that is also just like so jaded and so angry at the world it's wild this book is wild (laughs) so actually in relation to that right um because i remember that bit very very distinctly yes did you okay this is going to be maybe me admitting too much about myself here but did you pick up on that well as you read it see because i didn't yeah so with things like that and understanding certain things it's hard for me to remember if what i came to myself and what was pointed out to me by the teacher because it was taught to me i think i'd have a totally different experience if it wasn't basically so things like that were like parts of the text that were highlighted to us that was like this is important because it shows this and the reason why we studied the book was for a topic called identity and belonging that was the year 12 theme theme. Yeah. The theme that we had to study for it, which is yeah, why we read it. So that was a, obviously a big part of it. Yep. Another thing that I, this part I remember, I definitely didn't notice whilst reading it. I just thought it was part of like the Holden Caulfield craziness kind of thing, which is right towards the end of the book. He talks about like crossing streets and like he's drowning and he's scared to step off the curb in case he just like keeps falling. And the teacher's like, he's having a panic attack. Like that's just like wild anxiety. I'm just like, everything's overwhelmed. And I was like, oh, holy shit. I would not have picked that. But then as an adult man, when I've had panic attacks or like extreme anxiety in situations, I was like, oh, it does feel like that. I get it. This book's so clever. It's <laughs> it's also weird because like, it's so strange. And I guess this is the type of stuff you soaked to hear. But yeah. when like some like bad stuff and stuff has happened to everyone, but like there was a period in my life where like a lot happened. And it led to like, I guess, an anxiety attack. And I realized what was happening because I remembered this book. Really? Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. So basically like, cause like describing an anxiety attack or like a panic attack or just like stress, basically, it's kind of hard to do because like everyone's body reacts differently. But just like the idea of like, I was breathing, but couldn't like breathe. And it was like real heavy. And like, I, yeah, kind of felt like I was drowning, but I wasn't. And I was like, oh, wait, no, I just need to calm down. I know what this is. Thanks, Catcher in the Rye. That is amazing. So old J.D. Salinger made you uh, realize what it was. Yeah, I honestly feel like that this book, people are going to start connecting with more because now that mental health is more in the forefront of people's minds and like schools and stuff like that, they'll be like, oh, actually, this was pretty spot on with like its description of things like that. Right. So did you, so that was afterwards, you Mm -hmm. had that connection there in Mm -hmm. terms of the panic stuff. But did you, when you first read it, like I'm guessing, so did you like it when you first read it? Yeah, yeah. I really liked it when I first read it. I think it was just like, I, this is the first type of book I read like this, but it's something that I've noticed again in like A Clockwork Orange and things like that. I really like just like teen speak and like just having to roll with what the characters are saying. And then picking up because it's kind of just like being thrust into like a new group of friends and they all have their inside jokes and different slang and dumb stuff they use. You, As the reader, you're just like, I don't understand what they're saying. And then like through context, you're like, oh, okay, sweet. I get it. Catcher in the Rye doesn't do it anywhere near as much as like a Clockwork Orange, for instance, which is literally just gibberish at points. And you're like, wait, what? And then you're like, oh, oh okay, no, I get it now. I understand what's going on. So is that, is that because like Clockwork Orange is intentionally doing that as well? Or is it Clockwork more Orange a time is and well, location difference? 
Clockwork Orange is literally intentionally doing that. Like they, the, like Alex, the main character, is speaking a mix of like Cockney slang and Russian mixed with just made up gibberish. So okay. like it's intentionally meant to be isolating for the readers. Uh, Catching the eye is more a time thing. Yeah, but you still get it. So you like that part? The fact that you're relating thrust in with a new bunch of friends. Like that's actually what you kind of. And that's did you enjoy that? Why you enjoyed it back then? You think? Oh no, it's more less that I I didn't see Holden Caulfield as a friend. It was more just like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fishing for something shocking revelation, but uh, you've got your panic attack thing now. Leave me alone. I oh, know we're coming back to that, uh, but no, it's, but it was that idea. Like, oh, no, it's just like I think that's just like a type of story I like, which is just like some people find that really isolating. But you can kind of see that in real life, like if you start a new job or just put into a new social like interaction, it's just kind of like that anyway. So I don't find that aspect particularly isolating, and I kind of found what he was saying. Like when I first read it, I found it kind of fun. Like I found the book funny, like the way that, yeah, not like laugh out loud funny, but like just like him calling everything phony. Yeah, quaint. Like, yeah, it was good. And just like things like, there's a part in the middle of the book that we didn't really touch that much on in high school because it wasn't particularly relevant to identity and belonging, but he gets really annoyed at, nuns having nice briefcases and he also gets really annoyed at graffiti that says the word fuck because he the nuns with nice briefcases he gets angry about because he's like no they're meant to be like poor but they've got these very fancy suitcases so he kind of gets like angry at the church and then with the fuck thing he's imagining like his little sister who is the one person in the book that he says understands him and gets very what he means which ties back into his childlike wonder etc he can only relate to his 10 year old sister he imagines her reading it and then like 10 year olds having to find out what fuck means and how this graffiti is like ruining their innocence and stuff like that and like those passages what i was reading it was like that's funny like it's just like the right like jd selinger is like exploring things that people just wouldn't normally think but you're like oh i guess that is weird to see nuns with nice briefcases yeah like i guess the idea of because but could that be as much him having an image of what he thinks things should be exactly and then it not being yeah. exactly that and then him getting upset at that yeah rather than- and like i said at the start when i was describing this book it is literally just a man being so upset at everything he sees for like 190 pages and then it has a sweet ending and then a very sad epilogue <laughs> okay so i want to go back there for a second though so you're talking about new situations and like you liking that the fact you got mm-hmm. thrust in there mm-hmm. And you're like, that's not that's not that common a thing though. A lot of people don't like that sort of thing, but you you dig it. You like being in a new situation, new people, new lingo and having to f- pick up on it. Oh, in I don't know if I would say that I, like I like it in the book sense, like as in I don't find it isolating, but that also could just be my experiences with like a lot of different pop culture and stuff like that, especially like films and stuff that I watch. I'll happily just throw on things that people, like arty stuff where that doesn't particularly phase me. But also I guess like, like with the podcast and stuff like that, like I said, I don't have a background in comedy, but we've done a lot of live shows where I'll just all of a sudden be in situations that I wasn't just like working my way up to. It was just like all of a sudden, hey, you're at this room full of all these comedians that are very funny and famous and you're just a guy who does a podcast. Good luck. And then uh, from my understanding, sometimes you just get up, grab that mic and stroll amongst the audience. (laughs) You really own it. Who needs experience, right? I've got fans. Yeah, yeah. It's actually true. Yeah, fans that don't respect us because again, it's just us saying bad things into a microphone. No jokes, just bad things. The trick to podcasting and comedy, just be like, hey audience, think about a dog dick. Thank you for listening. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> that's plumbing the death star what if chewbacca has a dog dick okay done uh, i love it we were swinging between it's i don't know if this is this itself ties into the fact that catcher in the rise your favorite book <laughs> what dog dicks and writing fuck 
this is awesome. <laughs> well, I can't relate to Holden Caulfield too much because he hates corruption of youth where I know we have actively corrupted youth. Like, Plumbing the Death Star has received emails from people being like, I've been listening to five for five years and I'm excited that I can come to a live show now because I've just turned 18. And we were like, oh five no. Five years. Oh no. Oh, yeah. Dear. People have grown up listening to our horrible podcast. So you don't, so, uh, okay, well, you're claiming that. Do you reckon that's actually the case though? You, that our podcasts are horrible? No. Absolutely. <laughs> no, have no, you listened they, to You've been in Plumbing the Death oh, Star, George. I tried to look at the level of class there when I'm on, <laughs> but uh, I failed miserably. No, the the idea of not like you don't care about spoiling innocence or ruining someone's childhood with something. <laughs> oh, the no, idea of that, that, it's it, not that I maybe don't. with your one there, you're like, yeah. we're not really doing it, but would you, but you would feel like, Oh, look, I wouldn't be stoked to find out that like, I, like if I, I'm not going to get pleasure out of being like, hey, five-year-old kid, Santa's not real. That's fucked up. But also I understand that like children lose innocence and they need to find stuff like that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Plumbing the Death Star and all the things I do aren't going to actively do that. We'll say rude words and again, make them think about dog dicks, but I'm not going to be like, hey, the world's a bad place and the sooner that you learn that, the better, kid. Hey, 14-year-old, it gets worse. <laughs> so much worse, yeah. Your parents, they're going to die. Yeah, or and get divorced, else. statistically speaking. 50-50, yeah. Okay, that's... 50% well, chance they're going to divorce, 100% chance they will die. Basically. That's just basic stats. Death is just divorce by time. I don't know. Divorced can, from life. Yeah, divorced from life. Uh, so the... Okay, so the because I'm trying to find like the parts which relate to that period, like to the book itself. Because yeah. like I know for me personally, I read it late. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I was like 21 or 22. I didn't do it in uh, didn't yeah. read it in uh, in school. And for me, I so I didn't get any analysis. I was just kind of reading. And I'm 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 actually quite bad at yeah. analyzing things Subject as I'm reading. Yeah. Like maybe afterwards I'll be like, okay, that meant that. Yeah. And other times I'm like, oh wow, that was completely not what a, that was. Animal Farm was about what? <laughs> like is it, that one's more obvious. But uh, so I really liked like the, the analogy of the catcher in the rye, just the idea of protecting children, which wasn't necessarily, I didn't realize at the time was just yeah. from maturing in general, but like, yeah, the idea of help, like stopping them from seeing some of the dark side of yeah. the world and all that. I thought that was sweet personally. Like I, I, I know for me, I've can understand that. And I almost like, I feel like everyone does grow up a bit too yeah. fast. Everyone's trying to be cool and be old yeah. too quickly. Do you ever feel like that? Like, I don't know. When I, was, when I was a teenager as well, like I used to actually be like, no, I don't want to be, I want to be old too quick. Like I'm trying to enjoy this time now. Yeah. Look, as a teenager, not so much like, I mean, I went, I didn't really not do any of the, like the adult things the moment that I could do them kind of thing. So like the moment that I was a legal working age, I got a job straight away. Mm-hmm. I didn't get my license for like a year after I legally could, but it's still like one year, which is not a particularly long period of time. <laughs> I love how that you're comparing that to some friends, obviously. <laughs> it took much longer. Yeah. Uh, so if you listen to any of our podcasts, Jackson doesn't drive, same age as me. Coward. Makes it <laughs> coward. It makes Get your you feel fucking better. license, Jackson. <laughs> it's just turned into abusing Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, you bearded so loser. People are listening to this to hear about Catcher in the Rye, but really what they're getting is a breakdown of a successful podcast and the abuse of a close friend. Yeah. Well, that's how I hope all of these are going this direction. <laughs> no, so, so yeah, but going back to that, because I, I actually do find that interesting, like the idea of uh, that when you're that age, yeah. some people are in a rush, obviously, to mature. Other yeah. people, like maybe even they mature, uh, and it could be a biological thing. Like yeah. for me, I know I was a late bloomer, so that probably added to it. Like I just wasn't like interested in, interested yeah. in go- growing up too quick, I guess, personally. And maybe that's why I enjoyed it. But yeah, did you feel like that? Or were you like, well, okay, at the I, time? I mean, did- like I'm not in a relationship and have no interest in being one currently. And I know that I have 
friends and stuff like that that were like married by like 23 or 24, which to me is fucking insane. That is, I'm not saying that it's like a bad thing necessarily. Well, not even necessarily. It's just not a bad thing. Do whatever you want, your call. But yeah, like fucking hell. <laughs> Live a little, guys. Fuck. 23, 24, that's like grandparents to a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not but really, like, but- even like, so I'm currently 28 and like now I'm really hitting the period of time where like weddings are very much on the cards because pretty much anyone who has been together since like high school or university is like, oh, we've been together for like anywhere between five to 10 years now. We might as well just like get married or whatever, but still like relationships are cool and whatever, but you can break up and that's okay. Weddings makes that so much harder. What if you change your mind? Yeah, now the government's involved. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Although if you've been living together for more than six months, I think it's like actually potentially just as messy. So geez. Maybe I'm against relationships now. <laughs> well, the weird thing is, what does this have to do with Catherine and Ryan? I felt like you were going somewhere and then you- Oh, no, you were talking about if I was in a rush to grow up and- Oh, so you, you consider being in a relationship growing up? Well, more like marriage and stuff like that. Settling down as like kind of the end of growing up, I guess. The so, end of change. Just you're yeah. done after that. I don't know. What would you call that period of time? Because growing up obviously ends at a point and then you are grown up and then is part of growing up settling down or is that like the end of being, I don't know. There's lots of weird, look, it's really easy to be like, all right, child, teenager, adult, but then adult goes for so long that presumably there is other steps. I guess because of your formative years when you're obviously uh, young and a teenager and that, and then you kind of settle into who you are. And then from there you are kind of unchanging. Some people would say, I guess. would you say that you've changed? I was actually talking to a friend about this recently. Would you say that you've changed much from when you finished uh, high school till now? Absolutely. Fuck. When I, People think that like when they finish high school that they're like, oh yeah, cool, I'm an adult. You are not an adult. Shut <laughs> up. Shut the fuck up. Have you spoken to an 18 year old? They're dumb as shit. Oh, they're so child. They're, they're so babyish. Yeah, they're adorable. They're so, like, I'm ready for that. Shut up. Why do people let you drive? That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. Even in university, like I reckon between like 25 and now I've probably changed heaps. It's I just, would say that. Yeah. Like just kind of, I'm starting to get to a point where I'm like, huh, maybe I should be kind of looking further into the future rather than just being like, yeah, I'm going to get trashed this weekend and just have a good time. Like be like an actual grown up. But then also I'm like, why? Who cares? Like, it's not like I'm unhealthy. Like as in some of my lifestyle choices might be unhealthy, but it's not like I'm like sick or anything like that because of that. So I'm like, why should I stop? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> don't ask me, man. It's fine. Hey, it's cool. Hey, yeah, like you're asking me, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It's cool to drink. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I think, like, I guess a part of that is, yeah, your change is... One of the ones I would say is uh, the changes I've had, which have been slow, I would yeah. say. Like real subtle over time, like to compare to what, but it's more like settling a bit more into yourself, feeling yeah. a bit more comfortable with yourself as the time yeah. goes on and like maybe being a bit more accepting of like your own stupidity in yeah. a way. <laughs> and also the, the fact I said 25 now also just becomes very clear because that was when I moved out. So obviously I've changed heaps since then because like the difference between living at home versus moving out for the first time versus I've lived out of home for like three years now. So obviously... I'm far more settled into like living, like doing everything for myself and stuff You're like You're good that. at doing adult stuff now. Yeah. Contents insurance got that sorted. It's actually pretty easy to do. Turns out companies want your money. So they pay, do. paying for things, very easy. Yeah. That's it. It just takes like half a day. Yeah. yeah that's it. <laughs> Compare a few and do it. Yeah. But that's a... Uh, well, it's just interesting because like, yeah, that's the... Because we're talking about coming of age and getting older yeah. and stuff. So would you... Like even the way you looked at the book back then let's say that that period of adolescence did you kind of feel at like this is again curious at the time that you were old no did you feel like that no. when i was reading it i i don't think i really had any particularly like strong thoughts or like things that i've related to at the time even it's just like even like the stuff i mentioned at the start it's not like that i was like oh cool it just like i was like oh like it isn't things that i noticed whilst i was reading it was just like over time i was like oh yeah wait that was in catcher in the rye it's weird that that's my favorite book <laughs> yeah that's yeah. interesting so like so at the time you just kind of liked it because it was a good good story it was interesting just like a good read yeah it was a good read i hadn't read anything like that either at that point in time and i think that that also played a big part in it. Like it's overly emotional, which I like not because I necessarily find that relatable, but because I kind of find it like funny, I guess. Like I really <laughs> like emo music, but when they're talking about lyrics about dying for someone or how just like really melodramatic things, I'm not like, yeah, understand those feelings. I'm just like, this is very fun and silly because of how wildly dramatic everything is. So are you almost listening to it ironically a little bit in those parts? You're like, oh, this is so sad. <laughs> no, like... Ooh, I'm so sad no, right now. <laughs> no, okay. Even music, I guess, is different because it's not... Well, <laughs> there's like a lot of different parts with it, I guess, are unique to that style of music because like mm. the way the guitars sound and like the vocal delivery mm. and screaming and stuff like that. I'm like, no, that I like those things. Mm. But yeah, like when people like screaming that they're going to die and whatever, I'm like, shut up. Like it's that part's ironic, I guess. But then, uh, but then someone else from another point of view would be like, "So this guy's favorite book is Catcher in the Rye. He listens to emo music and doesn't want to settle down." <laughs> We're getting a whole different picture here. You're like, yeah. "I'm doing it all for fun. It's yeah, for it's, your lols, guys." I'm ironically, not settling down, guys. Uh, it's gonna be a great end game joke. Can't wait. But yeah, like I guess being involved in comedy though realizes that like I'm 28 and yeah, not in a relationship or whatever. But there are so many comedians that are far older than me that live the same lifestyle. And I'm like, if they're if and no one's like, "Wow, that's sad." So, like, hey, maybe I can get away with it for a while longer, too. I uh, agree. I think one of the interesting things about life in general is, like, how much comparing to other people can really impact kind of your view on stuff. Yeah. And and it's good, like... People say don't compare yourself to other people because, like, everyone's individual. No, do it heaps. It makes you feel so much better. Well, no, do it strategically. (laughs) I think it's the key. Strategically heaps. Because I've got, like... uh, Because I switched into kind of going for the comedy stuff quite late. I've got some friends now who are very successful yeah and you can look at them and feel how good is following high school friends on twitter 
it or like Facebook or whatever. And they're like, yeah, sweet. Just like got a job at like one of the big four law firms. And like sick. I did a podcast today about what if R2D2 had a dildo on its head. I love the little taste snippets you give yeah. of what your topics are. <laughs> How is that even? Okay, no, we're not going to go into that. The episode's <laughs> called Robots Fuckable? Question okay. mark. There we go. <laughs> we that go. was the do- Chewbacca dog dick thing was just a made up example. This dildo head R two D two real thing, real yeah. topic. Robots fuckable. Plumbing the Death Star. Give it a listen. Okay, I don't know if there's. I feel like your audience is probably slightly larger than what we've got here, but we never know. We'll never know. We've not looked at the stats before we've recorded this podcast. That's Things true. could <laughs> be different. Could take off. Yeah. But that's, yes. <laughs> People might have realized the thing that I explained earlier in the podcast and be like, oh, wait, Plumbing the Death Star is actually bad. Unsubscribe. It's going to happen one day. Yeah, I can feel, <laughs> feel like a lot of self-doubt here and a little bit of that. But but I guess because, yeah, I, again. It's, it's not funny. self-doubt, it's confidence. Com- confidence in our audience that they are cleverer than they think they are. Yeah. They'll figure it out. They'll crack the code. Just not yet, baby. <laughs> Papa needs a new pa- a pair of shoes. Not a new pair, just any pair. That's. <laughs> I need another copy of Catcher in the Rye. That's what our um, advertising money is going towards at the moment, buying me a new copy of Catcher in the Rye because this one. Kind of it's, falling apart a bit. Really, I, I quite like the look of it though. It yeah. is battered. It is bruised. It, it's like, used. If you imagine that, I I know I said this towards the start, but like picking it up again, this book is literally the textbook definition of used novel. Like it yeah. is in a movie. If they were like, we need to have a book that's worn, that would cast this book. It's perfect <laughs> it's, for the it's role. It's perfect. It is, and the fact that it's catching the right yeah. of all books as well. Now that's okay. So did you did your opinion though change of what it was to be? Well. To get older, like, because you're saying how now you're a bit more chill and you've got these comedians to compare yourself to that make you feel okay about it. Was that, did you feel like that wasn't the case when you were younger? Like maybe you thought you had a structure that you wanted to do or was it more a case where? I think university also really changed my mind. And I, maybe Couch and I kicked this off as well, but uh, probably not actually. (laughs) Yeah, look, I hope that this all ties together nicely for you, but I'm not sure if it's going to. No, no, it's it's not the point. (laughs) It's not every time, yeah. Because I went to a private high school, like a quiet, fancy high school. So everyone was very like career driven already by the time we got to the like year 12. Through a mix of like everyone just thinking that's what they had to do mixed with like, I, I'm assuming family pressure. My parents were never like that. They were just like, whatever, you're the, I think I was the first person in on my mom's side of the family to go to university. So the bar was <laughs> relatively like, it wasn't, there was no crazy expectations on me. Yeah. And like when I got my enter score, which won't translate well for an international audience, but I don't know what the equivalent for America or... When I got my grades at the end of high school, I was disappointed, but they were like above average. And my parents were like, are you crazy? Like, that's good. And I was like, yeah, but I probably could have done better. This is a comparison between your potential, you thought, and what you got? Well, I spent all of... This will be very clear to you, but throughout high school, I was constantly being told by my teachers that I'm far cleverer than I show basically yeah. and a lot of pretty much just like got a lot of potential and you're wasting it and i was like i'm just gonna keep chilling and not studying teachers leave yeah. me alone so in that sense you felt like the grade was legitimate in its reflectiveness <laughs> but you could have done better yeah i think like i wouldn't have cared but a lot of my friends who did the same things as me i mean some of them definitely studied more than i did and others didn't like got like slightly higher than me the person who had exactly the same lifestyle as me that i was quite good friends with in high school got slightly higher than me and i was like damn it you cleverer than me? Piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can understand that feeling. Especially uh, if you've... I guess comparing yourself to others is bad sometimes. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it... I learned a lesson. You're making connections on your own here. I love um, that. But basically, and I was like, uh, and then I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was just like, oh, whatever. Maybe I'll do teaching. 
And then I decided I was going to do a Bachelor of Arts just because I was like, oh, that'll actually add to the teaching anyway. It means that I get like an understanding of what I'd like to teach basically. And then I can go into study teaching. And then once I got to uni, I was like, oh wait, no one like is in like being an adult isn't just like doing a degree and then going straight into a job. Everyone's just like, uh, I don't know what I want to do. Especially doing Bachelor of Arts really helped with that because that's famously the degree for people who don't know what they want to do. Yeah. It's, it's a degree that everyone has. Like they might as well just hand them out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so I actually started in Bachelor of Arts before going into finance and yeah. stuff, and I loved it. Yeah, it should more people should do it because it's 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 what uni's meant to be. Yeah, I feel like you get the the uni experience that everyone talks about. You get from Bachelor of Arts. Apparently, Bachelor of Science is pretty similar because that's also super broad. But like, obviously, yeah. the maths. So if you're like instead of humanities, it's yeah. Basically, if you're really good at maths and things like that, or is in you just find yourself drawn to like maths or science more it's still the same thing where it's just like really broad. Everyone's just there to have a good time. No one really knows what they want to do. They just know mm. that they're good with numbers. Yeah. So you just try a lot, lot of different yeah. things. And so basically it's just the equivalent, like Bachelor of Arts for everyone who is like, yeah, I'm a pretty good reader. Bachelor, uh, Bachelor of Science. Like, yeah, I'm pretty good at numbers and maths. Still don't know what I want to do, but I figure this is something. Yeah. And it gives you like- Broad degrees. That's what universities should all be about. And then- Later on, go specific and get a job or whatever. Just have a good time. Yeah, get older later. Yeah. Like, oh, let's push it back, you know? People let's just hold those kids away from that cornfield, yeah. from that rye. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Grow up a bit, but then stop. So, yeah, I guess, like, if <laughs> Holden doesn't want people to age past, like, 10, basically. He's like, mm. no, the world's a bad place. But I'm just like, what if you just are, like, early 20s forever? That's good. That's what you want, right? <laughs> you could almost argue that's almost the same... Thing, thing but he's 15 and i'm 28 so like i've just moved past the early 20s and he's just moved past childhood yeah. yes george you could argue that i guess you could you know maybe <laughs> wouldn't though no you wouldn't <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. it's weird we're, i feel like we're finding some connections here actually weirdly enough more than we started off with like do you have any other angles you could think of that relate to when you were looking at it like it's just interesting because you you started off with a direct well because you start off liking it for one reason and it yeah. sounds like it's added to it over the years yeah it's more that i just find that when I was reading it, I wasn't particularly like, wow, this is a really well-written and clever book. I was just like, I like this world that the car, like that J.D. Salinger had written, which I know is weird, but like, cause it's like I said, it's like a pretty depressing book. It's just like a boy having like a breakdown basically. But you didn't relate to the doubts, the questions, all that sort of thing? Not really. I When I was reading it the first time, and I guess probably because it was also being studied by the class. So there was like sections and whatever that were being read out by my teacher or my classmates. So it wasn't, I didn't find it a particularly like personal journey at any point, but that honestly is probably based on the environment that I first experienced. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that it was in a group sort yeah, of thing. So I'm like, I honestly couldn't say at no point when I've read it, have I ever been like, wow, this is like a really personal journey for me getting through this book either. It's just like, I have a good time reading it. It's, so, it's like, it's interesting because you say that even though it's your favorite book mm -hmm. and you've reread over the years yeah. and it taught you what a panic attack was that you then had. Yes. But this isn't a personal thing at all. It's got nothing. Well, to like when I read, I haven't read it since the anxiety attack. But yeah, like when I'm reading it, I'm not like, wow. So like I, I know that it is a deep book, but it doesn't. Like when I read it, I read it more surface level. If that makes sense. Uh, like it does, and I know what you're saying. But <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of connections here. To be honest, like beyond the surface level. Yeah. Just going back to what I said about like liking it for just like, I just enjoy like the way the characters talk and like the world of it and stuff like that. That seems strange. But then also like, I quite like things like Blade Runner and things like that, which is they create a world that's like bad, a bad world. But like, I find that really like entertaining is not the right word. 
engaging. Engaging, yeah. Even movies like Before Sunrise, Before Sunset kind of thing, which is just like characters talking, which is pretty much what this is also. Mm. I just like being with those characters, I guess. Indie films and stuff like that that do it a lot of just like characters talking to each other. I'm like, yeah, I know, cool. I could watch all of these. Like, I just find, I guess, conversations. <laughs> wow, this ties into podcasting. Hey, <laughs> find it, conversations interesting. It's what a shock. <laughs> yes. So, in other words, you're, you're in heaven, is yeah, what you're yeah, telling you. Getting... This is until, again, people realize, yeah, yeah. which I cannot point out enough. You have stressed this a lot. We get it. <laughs> Everyone, stop following Plumbing the Death Star. We get it, okay? <laughs> Jackson and mine dream to cancel Plumbing the Death Star. Get it done. I like doing it. That makes it sound like I hate it. Guys. It's just in principle. Do you know how many, many podcasts are out there that are good? We could start listening. We'll, we'll, we'll give a list to all of them in the... Co- no, we won't. But, okay. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm just politely saying this, yep. right? But there are, like you've just listed, some movies. Yep. And obviously, there's a billion books which place someone in a new world which yep. wasn't there before. Yep. And you get to live with those characters and be yep. there. And of all of those, <laughs> in existence, yep. you've chosen this one as yes. the one that you felt that you connected to and go back to yeah. now. And on top of that, you have certain views about uh, directionlessness when you were maybe uh, younger. And even now you still feel like you worry about maybe being a bit too young or a bit mm-hmm. too old. Stuff. Like I just, I'm trying to give you something here. Like as in, I'm seeing I some connections here. I cannot see how any of that ties to Catcher in the Rye at all. You're not, you're not, you're you're a phony, not, George. Yeah, no, you're, <laughs> stop being a phony, George. You're all phonies. So it doesn't, okay, so. We're going we're gonna to stick to this, which I I'm for. I think I'm, what has happened here is that I've accidentally lived a parallel life to the character of Holden Caulfield and not realized until this exact moment. Look, I don't want to put those thoughts in your, in your mind. Like, because I know, like, I'm so... Maybe you just didn't have the level of doubts, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, were, I don't find his doubting and negativity, I guess... I can't even claim that I'm not negative because of this great joke about plumbing the desktop being garbage. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah. Fucked myself again! Well, the um, fact that you're making a joke about it maybe means that it's it's not too negative. <laughs> if you really hated it, you just wouldn't be saying anything. And just, that's true. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, guys, uh, listen to it, but not, not, not too much. Yeah. Uh, don't show anyone who's clever. But soon, because I'm leaving soon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I never really had the doubts about growing up. And like even now... Like I was always in like relationships and stuff like that in high school and then uni as well. So like the whole idea of like not being in a relationship isn't something that I'm like, that's relatively new. And it's not something that I've always had as like, oh no, that's a growing up thing. Cause that was just, I was, you know, those people that are just like always dating and always in like quite long relationships. And that was you? Yeah, that was me. Like I was basically in, this is multiple relationships, but I was basically in relationships for like 10 or so years straight. Right. So yeah, like I get, I joked about uh, like not getting relationships that I joked about. Like I do get it. It's just not something that interests me at the moment. At the moment, the switch happened for you. Which yeah. Because you've gone back to relationships now twice for different reasons. Did you, did you... I see relationships as like, I guess, like that seems the obvious thing of like protecting the innocence and like, I guess childlike wonder because like kids aren't in relationships. So I, that's mm. the only reason I brought it up. It's not yeah. particularly something that weighs on my mind. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, obviously none of this weighs in your mind. None of it connects to anything. You are just having a good old time superficially with this world. <laughs> I get it. But the did you have a situation, were you forced to change from like, were you forced to realize that relationships aren't everything or did you feel like you actually reached that point no, yourself see, and changed? It's not like that I was put in a situation where it wasn't on the cards for me, which is definitely a big flex. I'm, I'm wanted, George. I know, uh, I can tell. <laughs> no, there was never a point where I was like, oh no, like my last long relationship I got broken up with, but almost instantly, like I, it took me a while to get over it, but not like 
years, it was like a month or so of like being like, wow, that really sucked. But then like being, I think it was more just like, I started going out as a single person and was like, oh wait, no, this is like a really fun thing that I'd never really done. Like I hadn't experienced that part. Yeah. So, and then I was like, well, maybe once I hit the 10 years of being single, then it'll click back. Cause I had 10 years relationships, 10 years single. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I've experienced the best of both worlds. Now time to decide what I actually want. And now I can grow up. I can jump <laughs> yes. out of this ride. No, but okay, I love that because yeah. that's very much a f- person who's recently single attitude. Yeah. It is a hellscape out there. <laughs> After a while, well, you no, are like, like... I've been single for like a really long time now, probably like four or five years. But yeah, okay. like dating has come up and like mm. with people and stuff like that. And just like, I get to a point where I'm like, I'm just not really interested in that at the moment. Yeah. So you just like the idea of like just the no responsibility kind of go out. Yeah. Or I think it's like less of no responsibility more than just like I have a lot of responsibilities between like two jobs and stuff like that. I feel like that like people might think they want to be in a relationship with me and then it'll start and they'll be like, wow, I really never see him when he was not joking about the fact that he's at work all the time. So yeah, it's not like I'm not like, oh no, oh, I guess it is responsibility. Hey, the responsibility of like keeping someone happy. Yeah, but you've, you've weighing that off against actual like other Respon- life responsibilities. Yeah, responsibility, responsibility. So there, there, there is some maturity here yeah. in general. There is quite a bit actually, you yeah. could argue. But you did say that you were getting a job as soon as you did turn 15 or whatever, as soon yeah. as you legally could. So have you always been like a working kind of person yeah um i i remember this ties back into like the anxiety stuff when i had like i was like really stressing my pretty much burning myself out because i'd been working and doing a million things would probably be in the same yeah and just like stuff in my life hadn't gone like like there's like deaths in the family and stuff like that nothing mm-hmm. particularly exciting it's just sad times <laughs> okay no it's not like because it, when i say like it didn't it, happen off a cliff with a villain Screaming, ha, 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 ha. No, like, it's, it's not like... Very like, exciting, but yeah, it's yeah, sad, yeah. Uh, yeah, so just like the normal sad things that people experience, I guess is what I mean. I don't yeah. mean that my life was like, wow, these terrible things happened to me, but these terrible things have never happened to anyone else. It was just the regular sad stuff that happens to people, but a couple of times in a row, and then I was working a lot. My other workplace was just like, we're just going to put you on leave three weeks just to like, you've got a shit ton of leave, just take it, just you need to, some space. And for the first week, I was just like, I don't know what to do. I'm so used to just like working or having four or five shifts a week minimum to just like fit my life around. I was just like in my house for a full week. And I was like, I really, really don't like this. Being with your thoughts? No, no, no. Occasionally I'll still have like time off or like I'll go away or something like that. I'm not frightened of my thoughts. It was more just like the structure of my life was taken away, I guess. Because I've always had to bend what I wanted to do around work. Mm. So by taking work and everything away from me, I was just like, yeah, like the stuff I like to do and whatever, but it was just like almost too much. So like I like films and I like video games and I like reading. The idea of being like, cool, like I'm guessing I'm going to watch movies for like eight hours. I'd watch like a movie and a half and be like, no, I need to do something. House was very clean that week. Mm. But then after the first week, I kind of settled into it. And then by the time, as with everyone who gets leave from work, by the time my leave finished, I was like, Fuck going back to work. This sucks. Ah, uh, yeah. That's a... Uh, mate, it's retirement. Best thing in the world. Like, as in, you do get to get used to yeah. it, though. But did you... Okay. So, th- you do have some sort of cornerstone of your personality is actually being quite busy. Yes. Which is really strange, because in high school, my teachers and stuff like that would often call me lazy. And I guess they were probably right, but at some point somewhere I've replaced laziness with just extreme busyness. So I literally have no time to be lazy. So I don't even know if that's part of me or not anymore. <laughs> you haven't found out you can't. No, I, yeah. I, I don't know. And you didn't, and that was just a slow transition? Yeah. I, when the podcast really started taking off and the AA being at uni, 
I think, yeah, there was a, the moment I could probably corner, like put it in a cornerstone at some point of just like un- finishing university. So like having to take like the last couple of things seriously mixed with the podcast taking off mixed with, I got a promotion at work. Mm-hmm. So like all three of those things kind of happened pretty close together. Oh, and the breakup as well, which meant that I went from having someone that I could just like kind of see whenever, like stupid times, whatever, around whenever I wanted to like not. Mm-hmm. So it meant that like, if I wanted to go out with friends or whatever, you obviously friends have more structure. To, you have to have like a more structured relationship with your friends and like some of you've been in a relationship with multiple, for multiple years. You can't just, I can't just be like, hey George, it's 1030. I'm just going to come over for like an hour after work and then leave. I'd have to be like, hey man, do you want to like catch up for a drink or dinner? Like it's more formal plan. So yeah. I think that trying to make all four of those things work all at the same time is probably the moment where I was like, I guess I'm the busiest man in the world now. I guess I'm mature now. <laughs> I did it. I'm freed of that rye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I think we've learned a little bit today. So I guess I'll finish on one last question to you. Uh, do you feel like you've got any connections relating to catcher in the rye? Maybe. I- <laughs> Uh, as I've gone on record saying, I think that all of this is purely coincidental and none of this has any relation to the fact that Catherine Rye's favorite book. Um, no new connections whatsoever. None, none, none at all. None. This you has been quite unhelpful and a big waste of my time, you phony. I feel sad for you. Yeah, <laughs> go have another panic attack. Yeah. Well, <laughs> something, look, if you haven't read Catcher in the Rye, the last, I'm going to talk about the ending, so maybe stop here, go read it and then come back. Mm. But, The ending of the book is, yeah, so it ends, like, the actual book itself, um, where it feels like the end of the story, has, like, a hopeful ending. But then there's a one-page epilogue that just kind of ties the narrative in together. Because he's, Holden's talking to, I think it's a psychiatrist, but I honestly, because it's been a couple of years, I can't remember if it's a teacher or a psychiatrist he's talking to. The last page is him just being like, anyway, I've had enough talking about last Christmas. And now, like, the worst thing has happened of just... Like when you talk about things with people, it makes you remember them. And like, now I miss all of these people. You should never talk about anything to anyone because it'll make you miss them. And that's the end of the book. And I've totally forgotten what my point was, but what a great end. (laughs) Oh yeah. So talking about all of these things, it's become obvious, like the panic attack and whatever that tied into it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. They're like, I get it. I understand why I like this book. And it's so funny that it has helped me do it. But then this podcast has just done kind of like what that did where it, I've just realized everything's come together. I'm like, yeah, cool. That all makes sense. Like stuff that I might've realized at the time. So again, the panic attack thing being like, mm. yes, catching the right has helped with this. That's very rare. Yeah. But like the, like everything coming together and the moment of like, where I became like a slacker to as the self-proclaimed busiest man in the world and stuff like that. I hadn't really thought about until just now. So I guess, yes, George, I have brought new connections because of this. And I'll, I'll throw this out there. Uh-huh. Uh, even with that ending, uh, not necessarily sad. It could be him connecting things which he hadn't done before. Yeah. And it actually was a nice ending. Because yeah. even though he misses it, that's actually not a bad thing to yeah. miss something or someone because you think about it rather than ignoring it or repressing it. Well, that's that's the thing, George. That last epilogue has led people to debate about it, the ending of the book, quite a lot because does that show growth or does it show that it is still exactly the same holder that you've spent the entire book with? Up for interpretation. It sounds like your interpretation is no growth. No, I think there is growth. I think that he fights the growth and I think that's what that is. And I think that he is also making connections with his life. The same way... That, Basically, the book is the this podcast. <laughs> he has been talking about his life and then 
the person that he's talking to is pretty much just been like, so that all ties together and points to one thing. And he's just like, I've had enough of talking about this. It's made me miss things, even the bad things. Leave me alone. Okay. Well, uh, on that note, I think is the best place <laughs> to finish this off. So J.D. Salinger, Catcher in the Rye, everyone knows it well. Yeah, uh, it's a great book. And if you read it in high school and hated it, I recommend rereading it. It's, I have a, this is like a quick side note. This can be a teaser if you ever want me back again. But catch, I have two favorite books, Catcher in the Rye and The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby, I also studied, but chose not to write about. So I just read that for university. Those books don't really, it's, yeah, there's no real connection there. I don't know why I love both of them so much. Come back on sometime and we'll, f- I yeah, think we'll, we'll be able to find something, <laughs> to be honest. And anything you want to mention before we finish off? Yeah, so if you want to hear any of the podcasts that I've mentioned, uh, I am part of three on the Sandspence Radio Network, much like this podcast is. Uh, so I'm one of the hosts of Plumbing the Death Star, which is a pop culture podcast where we take a book or a TV show or something and ask like a dumb question about it and then just explore it. It's very silly. It's uh, fun. And George has been on a few episodes mm-hmm. as well. Let's start with those. Uh, I also do a podcast called Thumb Cramps, which is a video game review podcast that has the same silliness as Plumbing the Death Star. We realized halfway through that our reviews aren't particularly helpful. So if you're looking for a serious review podcast, probably don't listen to that. If you're looking for a good time with pals that just play video games, Absolutely for you. And a AFL-themed podcast called How Good's Footy, where we just look at... Uh, every, it's a weekly podcast where we just take a look at everything that's happened in AFL that week, but with the same like same Sandspans Radio silliness injected into it. It's a good time. I've had lots of guests for that one. Check it out. Awesome. Thank you very much. So in other words, uh, you don't relate to anything about holding on to adolescence, but your life consists of playing video games, hanging out with your mates, talking about movies, and a footy. Yeah, that that's it. Okay. I'm glad we've got no growth from this. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to sanspantsplus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's sanspantsplus.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.